And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Pastor Al Baker. He's with Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship. Pastor Al, it is an honor to have you on with us today. Thank you, Dan. It's always great to be with you. I very much appreciate your program. I uh, just went to your website, refglobal.org, for Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship, and there's some nice pictures there, who we are, and it's, and, it's, and it's not just you. There's other people involved. Can you tell us just a little bit about your group before we get to the topic today of the new birth? Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> a lot of the people there are from other countries. Um, the ministry has really grown. Back in the 1950s and 60s, it was, it was primarily an evangelistic preaching ministry, that God used powerfully, but as time went on, things changed a little bit, and there wasn't as much of a, a desire for preaching evangelists to come into churches. So the ministry's changed a lot. A lot of it now is uh, street evangelism. A lot of, mm. There's a lot of open-air preaching, a lot of one-on-one work, and we have a lot of men <clears throat> in uh, foreign countries. We have some in Europe, some in Africa, some in Asia, and India as well. So there's a lot of wonderful things going on, and uh, it's a pleasure to be part of a really a great organization. Yes, it looks very good. Um, before today's discussion, we just had a really quick exchange, and that is uh, the the topic that we want to talk about, and that is the new birth. Uh, scripture talks mm-hmm. about being born again from the Spirit of God, and it's uh, very much a work of the Spirit. So I'm wondering if you can explain to us, uh, all of us, you know, some of it is going to be a review for Christians that are walking with the Lord, but some of this may be brand new to folks who have just tuned across the the, the broadcast here today and are curious about what is this new birth that they're talking about. So could could you get us started, Pastor Al? Yeah, I'll do my best. So of course, uh, when people who know about the new birth think about it, they automatically think of John chapter 3, where Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and he says, unless you're born from above, you will not see the kingdom of God. And he says, um, uh, that was just the flesh is flesh, that was just the spirit of spirit. Do not say that I marvel unto you. You must be born again. So that's Jesus brings it up, <clears throat> the new birth. Um, it's also mentioned in uh, Titus uh, chapter uh, 3, uh, being washed with, with regeneration by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Peter mentions it in First Peter chapter 1, being born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But this is not merely a New Testament um, doctrine, Dan. <clears throat> it goes back to the Old Testament. Mm. In fact, um, we see we see a clear evidence of it in Ezekiel 36, when Ezekiel says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take out the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you to cause you to walk after my commandments so that you might obey my ordinances. And earlier in uh, Ezekiel chapter 10, he says, I will make for you a new heart. And then in Ezekiel 19, he says, make for yourselves a new heart, which Mm. seems interesting. My point is that this is a doctrine that you see see throughout the Scriptures. So why is is it necessary that that we have a new heart? And, And first of all, what Jesus means by that is that 
when we're born into this world, we're born with a corrupt nature. In fact, in Psalm 58, the psalmist says uh, uh, that uh, we have uh, the, the heart of a cobra. Mm. Uh, and so when I go to Africa and India, I'll, I'll be speaking to people over there, and I'll say, now, you have a corrupt heart. And uh, just as we all do, we're all born with it. it it's, a, it's a rebellious nature. It's inside of every one of us. I'll say, uh, so you have cobras here, right? And they say, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I said, well, have you ever seen one? And they all say, yes, I saw one yesterday. <laughs> oh, dear. They're, they're everywhere. Oh. They're everywhere. And it's a vivid, it's a vivid analogy that um, the Scriptures give us about the nature of the of the old heart it's like a cobra and so when we're if somebody is bitten by a cobra if they don't have the antidote they'll be dead in 30 minutes oh wow uh there it's lethal and uh and so we're all born with this corrupt nature uh, um from the womb we are and so it's not enough for morality it's not enough to say well i want to do better uh, we all we all have fallen short of God's glory, yes. and, and sin and sin is the is rebellion against God, and it starts with that rebellious nature that we all have. I always like to say, I love my grandchildren. We have twelve of them; they're wonderful, <laughs> but they're born with a corrupt nature, yeah. and we see it very early. You know, they you do. two years old, they start pitching temper tantrums. That's right. right. I mean, that's, that's right. The way it is. So we're all born that way. But uh, and then it manifests itself as time goes on, in uh, in particular sin against God, and we all have our own style, as I say, of sinning. But it's rebellion against God, and a lot of it's we don't even we get to the point where we're not even aware of what we're doing. Where where we the Bible speaks about the deceitfulness of sin. So my point is is that God knows very well that just turning over a new leaf or promising to do better is not enough. There has to be a radical change. Mm. And what God does by His grace is He takes out that rebellious heart in regeneration, and He gives us the heart of Jesus. Mm. It's an amazing thing. And and the, when He does that, everything changes about a person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to say I have a good friend here in Alabama who tells me that he grew up a racist. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said... Uh, but when he became a Christian, when he was born again, God took away that racist attitude. Amen. And God gave him a love for all types of people, and he works with all types of people today. And uh, and we, I see this everywhere in the world. Whenever I travel to Africa or India, I see prejudice against different tribal groups or whatever. And so it's inherent in every person, and only Christ can change it. And he does it in a marvelous fashion by by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. You know, if people are honest with themselves, I think they'll admit that uh, they have a sinful heart. But sometimes people don't want to admit that. They might say, well, how dare you (laughs) Mm -hmm. call me, you know, consider me a a, a terrible sinner, you know. But uh, Mm -hmm. we are talking about a God who is infinitely holy. Have you met people that that object to being called a sinner? Yeah, my my favorite favorite story on that is my dear wife— when she was 16 years old, she was at the beach down in Florida, and she was a very nice, moral girl. I mean, she was very obedient to her parents and so forth. 
and she was on the beach, and uh, a guy walked up to her with what she now realizes is the four spiritual laws mm-hmm. of uh, Campus Crusade. And yes. He said, you mind, you mind if I share this little booklet with you? And she goes, no, no, go ahead, be fine. And so he said, well, the first law is that God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. So he went on to explain that. She thought to herself, well, I like that. That's good. That, that, that sounds good to me. <laughs> then he said, well, the second law is that you are a sinner. And her response was, well, that's not me. Right. He says, what do you mean? He goes, well, I don't sin. And he yeah. says, well, of course you do. He goes, no, I really don't. I, I don't sin. See, in her mind, sin was having sex outside of marriage, drinking or doing drugs. That was, that right. was her well, idea sure. Sure. of sin. And it was not until two years later, when she was in a Bible study, that she said, oh, my goodness. I am a sinner. Yes. And she saw the corruption of her heart, and God saved her. Just like so, that. So, I mean, that's the classic example, but um, you just, it's amazing how all of us can convince ourselves that what we do is, is really not sin. And, and a lot of times we, we look at what other people are doing and say, oh, I, don't, I wouldn't do something like that. So we, we might say, oh, I would never uh, have sex outside of marriage, or I would never do drugs or anything like that. Well, they might not, but they might also be a liar. They might be a deceiver. Yes. Um, they might have hatred in their heart for other people. They might be unwilling to forgive. And so it's very easy for people to categorize sins. But the simple fact is, is that God hates all sin, whatever it is, and it stems from that corrupt, wicked cobra heart, which manifests itself daily in sin and rebellion against God, and which ultimately will send us to hell if God doesn't do an amazing work of grace. Yes. Now, you mentioned something here that's very uh, a sticking point to some folks, and that is the, the biblical teaching of hell. Um, somebody might say, well, how could I possibly love a God that, that, has, uh, that, that teaches this? Uh, what's, what's your answer to that? Well, I think I think deep down inside, everybody knows that there's a hell, yes. and they know they deserve it, because uh, <laughs> the book of Ecclesiastes says that um, eternity's written on our hearts. It is. We know, but we can't bear the thought. I mean, it's a, it's a horrible thought. We can't bear the thought of death, so we, we put it out of our minds the best we can. And um, But Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Mm. And I often say, you know, the the Old Testament refers to hell. It refers to it as the place of death, or the place of Hades, but it doesn't fully develop that doctrine. It's not until Jesus, during his life on the on the earth, began to speak to the about the issues of the doctrine of hell, and he, he explains it pretty clearly. He says it's a place where the fire's never quenched and the worm never dies. In the Book of Revelation, he speaks about the second death which is the lake of fire. Mm. And, uh, and then Paul picks up on that, and he speaks about God dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they will suffer the punishment uh, away from the presence of the glory and power of the Lord. So um, it's, a, it's a very real place in the, uh, in the, in the parable of uh, rich man and Lazarus. He speaks about the rich man going to hell, he knows where he is. He's conscious of it. Yes. He's in torment. He wants to get out of there, but he cannot. And uh, 
hell is a is a is a horrible place, far beyond anything we could imagine. No, that's and, right. Um, so we have, and so we have to speak about hell. But when we do, then it we put hell in contra in the contrast of heaven, and we put sin in the contrast of God's grace, and we see the power of God and His grace, the wonder of God in, in heaven. Just for example, my youngest son is a basketball coach, and he was working with inner city kids a few years ago. And um, one of his kids in particular, a guy named Tim, uh, was probably about 25, came out of poverty, went to school, got a football scholarship, had a job uh, in here in Birmingham, just a really good job, I think selling medical supplies and so forth. And uh, Saturday night, he died in his sleep. He was 25 years old. Yeah, yes. And uh, it's just, it. this one's really hit me hard. My, my son has had five of his high school basketball players who have died. Five. There's been a lot of deaths the, lately, it, yes. There really has. And um, But this young man knew Jesus. He came to know Jesus in high school. My son was very influential in his conversion. Mm. It's just a wonderful story of God's redeeming grace. So while we miss him, and it's, it's, it's just heartbreaking to know that he's gone, he is with Jesus, and it's not because he was a good guy. He was a good guy, but he wasn't perfect, and he came to realize that. And he came to realize that something radical had to happen to him, and that radical thing that had to happen was regeneration. Yes. And, Dan, I believe that's one of the things that the Church is missing. They're not preaching the full gospel. They speak about justification, which, of course, is wonderful. God declares us not guilty. He gives us the righteousness of Jesus but we've start we must begin with regeneration yes. because there's a lot of people who have had a religious experience but they haven't been changed by it and then they still have the uh, the problem of, of sin addictions they can't seem to break those and i believe main the main reason for that is they've really not had a new heart god has to take out that rebellious heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh that loves god and hate sin. That's regeneration, and it's a work of His divine grace by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, that's right. Well, today we're talking with Pastor Al Baker. He has a love for souls. I don't know how else to describe it. God has given him the gift of evangelism, and it really is a, a special gift, I believe. And and you're in a denomination, Al, that, that emphasizes the importance of uh, evangelism among the, the world. You also mentioned just a couple minutes ago about death and that it comes unexpectedly many times, especially now. And I won't get mm-hmm. into all of that, but people are dying left and right. Um, you, you had written a devotional back in uh, December titled, Always Be Ready to Die. And 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 th- you you put out these devotionals. Can you talk to that? Always being ready to die. You already have, but just a little mm-hmm. bit more, and also mention your devotional. Yeah, well, I write these uh, every Thursday called "Forget None of His Benefits," and uh, your audience can just Google "Forget None of His Benefits" Al Baker, and it'll it'll pop up. And there's there's a website that has all of them there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so we we know that we're going to die. All of us. We know that, but we don't want to believe it. But how, do, how are we ready to die? The only way 
that we can ever be ready to die is to come to acknowledge, first of all, that we've all broken God's law. Yes. Every one of us. We've, we're all guilty. Not one is, is innocent in and of himself. And, um, and that means that, um, that we're destined to hell. I like to put it this way. Would you want a, I tell people, would you want a cobra living in your bedroom? Mm. Well, no. No, I wouldn't. Would you want uh, manure in your bedroom? Well, mm. no, I wouldn't. How about poison? No. Well, uh, if you don't want manure or a cobra or poison in your bedroom, why do you think God, who's holy and righteous and pure, would want you in his heaven with a cobra heart and a filthy manure-like past and a poisonous life that speaks horrible things to people like James chapter 3 is talking about? And so I try to use that vivid imagery with people to show them that God is pure and undefiled, and we will never make it to heaven in our own, in our own, by our own doing. He's got to change us on the inside. And what we have to do is we have to come to realize, God, I do have a cobra heart. I do have a filthy manure-like past. I have a poisonous life. I say things that are destructive to people. God, would you change me? Would you give me a new heart? Would you take out the heart of stone? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you give me the righteousness of Jesus? Would you give me your Holy Spirit who begins to work in me and make me more more like Jesus as the days go on? Mm. And if we call upon him with a sincere heart, basically saying, God, I'm desperate be merciful to me, a sinner. He promises to give us a new heart. He promises to take away our sin. He promises to give us the righteousness of Jesus. He promises to give us the Holy Spirit. And he does it by his grace. So we have to repent. That means we got to acknowledge our sin. God, I failed you miserably. I turn away from my sin. I believe on Jesus, not our works. I believe on Jesus and what he did on the cross. And then people make it so complicated. It is so simple. It is so simple. People miss it all the time. Repent and believe on Jesus, and he will forgive. So um, a person listening today could do that, couldn't they? That's exactly right. Um, I run across this all the time. People listening to Christian radio, they've never even thought about it, and uh, they're driving through in their car, they come across a Christian radio station, they like what they're hearing, they like the music, they start listening, and they, they, get, kind of, they get kind of hooked on it. And then they, they keep listening, and one day they're, they're born again. They cry out to the Lord. I've seen that a number of times. And so this could happen to people who are listening right now. This might be, the, this might be your day of salvation. Maybe you've never listened to this program. Maybe you t- typically don't listen to Christian radio. Well, here you are. And by the way, this is not an accident. God is sovereign in all right. the affairs of life. He directs everything we do. And what I would say to those in your audience who perhaps have never really been on Christian radio or this, uh, this program, God loves you so much that he's, that, he's, that he's worked your circumstances right now that you're listening to this program. Oh. And God is calling you right now, today, you can be saved, repent, and believe in Jesus Christ. He will give you a new heart.
He'll take out the, the past life. He'll give you his Holy Spirit. That's what he promises to do. It can happen to anybody, anytime. Repent and believe on Jesus. Amen. And as soon as they repent and believe on Jesus that we do, um, it's important, I think, to fellowship with others and, and tell others of of the great work that God has done in your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when I was first converted over 50 years ago now when I was in college, I just began immediately to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> I, I didn't know much about it, but I just knew it was the greatest thing in the world. I just knew that I was a different person. And my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, did the same thing. I mean, immediately. Now, we didn't, nobody gave us any evangelism training. We just started telling people. And that's what you see in John chapter 9 with the, the blind man. He says, I, you know, Jesus healed him. He says, all I know is I was blind and now I see. <laughs> and, and we all can do that. We could just tell people what great things God has done in our lives. And the same thing is true of uh, in Mark chapter 5 of the so-called Gerasene demoniac whom Jesus healed and cast out the demons. And He's sitting clothed in his right mind, and Jesus says, I want you to go to your people and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on your soul. And he did. He went all throughout the ten cities, the Decapolis, and, and, and preached Jesus to these people. And that's we can do that. And uh, so we need that fellowship. We need to tell people about him. And so uh, if, you're, if you're born again, find you a good church that really preaches the Bible. And get into that church, and even though you may not know much, just keep going, keep listening, and get uh, ask somebody to help you grow in your faith, and they'll do that. And when, you, it, when you've got the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you will have a desire to do that. You'll have a hunger for the Word. That's one of the marks of a new Christian. He has a desire to read the Word and to be with God's people. Now, what about that person that, um, that's done this, and, and he's been fellowshipping with God's people and going to church, and then somehow his heart kind of grows a little bit cold, and he misses a Sunday here or there, and then he misses another one, and less and less interest. Um, any, any words of hope for that person? Of course, and I think we've all experienced that. I certainly have in my own life. If I'm really honest with myself, there are times that I feel distant from God. I feel cold-hearted. Uh, I'm not as close to Him as I ought to be. And, and uh, people say, uh, when you moved away from God, guess who's moved? Well, God hasn't moved. We've moved. Uh, and so, okay, so that happens. So what do we do? Well, the beauty is it's sort of like when my, when uh, I'm getting on Zoom and uh, it, something's not right, the picture doesn't come up, whatever. Well, I reboot my computer. That's, I'm, not, I'm not very technical. I, did, I know to reboot my computer. It usually <laughs> works. And so I reboot my computer. Oh, voila, there it is. It all works out. And this is what this is what you have to do when you're when you're away from God, just acknowledge it. God's not going to cast you out. Yes. But what you do, yeah, what you do is okay. I need to push the. Uh, I need to reboot. I need to push the reset button, so to speak. Okay, God, I've been away from you. I I confess my sin. I've been cold hearted. I've been hard hearted. I've not been praying as I ought. I've not been reading your word. God, would you forgive me? And guess what? He forgives. Amen. He forgives. He forgives, and he forgives, and he forgives. His grace, as Paul says, is always greater than our sin. So that doesn't give us a liberty to be nonchalant with our faith. But at the same time, we fail. And, you know, in Romans 7, Paul says, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
He says, the very thing I want to do, I don't do, but I do the very thing I hate. And Paul's just being realistic. This is the way it is. The Christian has a battle. He's not always walking with God like he ought to. It, it's, it's going to be that way until we see glory. But he's gracious. He's patient with us. And that's the great news for anybody who's maybe not walking as closely with the Lord right now as they'd like. There's a parable in the Scriptures referred to as the prodigal son. Some have referred to that more like uh, the searching father. Have you ever heard of that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, explanation? I, I have, and uh, I have in my living room now, uh, a friend of ours gave me this huge uh, painting, The Return of the Prodigal, that uh, hangs in the Hermitage at St. Petersburg, Russia, that Rembrandt did. And it's an absolutely magnificent mm. painting. And Rembrandt catch, uh, just catches the, the moment so powerfully the, the father is uh his uh, got his hands on his son's back and he's got uh, in his eyes it's amazing how he captures it in his eyes are sort of a look of uh, uh sadness but it's at the same time well, welcoming and then there's the self-righteous brother standing with a condescending look mm-hmm. and then there's this man many whom think is actually rembrandt who painted himself into the picture you look at his eyes and he's like what is going on here this is amazing and that's the kind of God we have. He's a, he's a merciful God. He, he, he longs for his people to be with him. And he, uh, he works in our circumstances, even in our disobedience to him, to draw us back. And uh, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So he's a God of great mercy and grace. I can't think of a better way to end our discussion today. Our guest is Pastor Al Baker, and you can look him up online. He writes this uh, devotional, Forget None of His Benefits. Just Google that with his name, Al Baker. It'll come right up, and you can sign up for this devotional. It's wonderful. He sends it out every Thursday. And Pastor Al, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be with you, Dan. Uh, Always, may the Lord continue to bless you and your ministry. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.